and welcome back. This is the Voice of Jesus Ministries. My name is Rick and we are uh, doing an ongoing series called The Promise from Jesus. The promise being the gift of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift Jesus brought to us here on planet Earth. Just the most amazing gift. And um, before I get started, there's a place where you can contact us. It's called the promise from Jesus at gmail.com. The promise from Jesus at gmail.com. This is both a video and a podcast, and so we are going to integrate the two and put them out on two different platforms so that you can just listen if you use the earbuds or if you like to watch, go ahead and watch. That's, uh, I can't believe anybody would want to watch, but uh, there you have it. So, the last time we were together, we were in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, known as the Teachings of Jesus, recorded by John. I'm using the interlinear. You use the version that you love, okay? We left off on verse 17. And I'll repeat verse 17 and then just continue in this uh, teaching series. And... Uh, that's how we'll do it. So here we go. Verse 17 again. Because the law was given through Moses by favor, but grace and truth has come through Jesus the Messiah. And you remember in the last um, video, the first one, we talked about how many people call Jesus Christ or the Christ or Jesus Christ. Or most of the time they just refer to Jesus as Christ. Christ did this. Christ did that. And we learned that the word Christ comes from a Greek word, Christos, which was transliterated into our language, the English language, in the form of the word Christ. And what it means is the Messiah, uh, number one definition. Number two definition, it means the anointed or the anointed one. So, with that being said, we should always refer to Jesus as our Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, our Messiah Jesus and the reason why we should is because he is the Savior he is the one who will come and save us Messiah okay now there's others on the planet right now today that don't want you to say that why because they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah they don't want you to to acknowledge that so it's okay if you use the word Christ because you're not really saying Messiah. And it's okay if you use something else, okay, other than like Jesus the anointed or the anointed one. or the. And some people refer to him as a prophet. What's up with that? You know, I don't understand. But the reason there's so much gadabout out there is because we, the children of God, we don't do what we should be doing in referring to our Savior as Jesus the Messiah or Jesus our Messiah, okay? He has come. For those of you that don't believe that, let me just give you a little heads up here. Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. He has been on the earth. He has walked amongst us. He brought us a new covenant. He closed up the old covenant, gave us a new covenant, brought us the greatest gift in the world, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We refer to that as the promise. Why? Because he did. Jesus referred to the promise, uh, the Holy Spirit, as the promise. 
And so, not to, to belabor what we talked about in, in uh, video one, we're going to continue now in verse 18. Verse 18 says this, No one has ever seen God. The Son, the one and only within the chest of the Father, He has been revealed. You know, that's part of the coming forth that we talked about. You know, Jesus is part of Father. You know, that here it says within the chest, within within Father. And Jesus came forth from him and helped him and served him for our Father's purpose. Jesus. Yeah, like us. Isn't that amazing? Verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John. What we had just talked about. Then the Judeans sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? Okay? These are, these are the Judeans, you know. These are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and whatever sees. And the Levites and, and the priests and any of them from Jerusalem. They wanted to know who John was. Why? Because John was standing in a river doing what they normally do performing this washing ceremony. Yeah, he was standing in the river, you know, washing people and washing away their sins. And, and I don't know if, you know, he wasn't a Pharisee, he wasn't a Sadducee, he wasn't a priest, a Levi, he wasn't anything. He was a man that was dressed in animal skins, eating uh, uh, bugs and honey, and, you know, it says he ate locusts and honey. <laughs> so they, they sent people to him to say who are you what are you doing out here who gave you permission well we'll see let's go on with this who are you verse 20 so he acknowledged and did not deny then he declared i am not the messiah that is what john said and he's an example to us you know he when, when they came to him he acknowledged them, but he said, and he didn't, he didn't deny what he was doing, but he did say, I am not the Messiah. Now, I don't know if they sent people out there to see if he was the Messiah or what. I just know that he was drawing a very large crowd, and these religious leaders wanted to know who is this person, what, what's going on. And right off the bat, he just says, I am not the Messiah. Verse 21, and they asked him, who then? Who then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Then are you the prophet? He answered again, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those having sent us. How do you, how do you describe yourself? Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. You know, I think it's really done to the, even to this day. Verse 23, and he said, I am the voice shouting in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Just as Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet said. And this is something that Isaiah said. And here is John, he's in the wilderness, and he's saying, he is shouting out, 
Make straight the way of the Lord. Verse 24. Then those who were sent by the Pharisees, they also interrogated him and asked him, Why then are you washing if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? See, they, they wanted to know why. Why are you washing? You see? And of course, that word washing, in, in your version, may say baptism. But, but that's what they were doing. They were performing the ceremony of cleansing or the washing ceremony where they washed people. And then what they did is they washed away their sins. And it was a ritual that they carried on in Jerusalem. And the, the Pharisees and Sadducees actually marketed this particular phenomena. And they had people believing that uh, this is what it would do for you. But it sure drew them out, didn't it? This was part of our Father's plan, wasn't it? This was part of Jesus' plan. It was, you know, to draw these people out there to say, well, well then who are you? Why are you performing this washing ceremony? Verse 26, John answered them saying, I wash with water, but there is one standing amongst you who you do not see. He who's, who existed before me, he is coming after me, whom I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. Now, listen to this. John says to him, he says, look, I wash with water. I'm out here performing the same ceremony that you're marketing in the city. Yeah. But there's one that stands amongst you whom you don't see. That's really interesting, isn't it? He says, it, it is he, he who existed before me. He is coming after me, whom I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. Continuing in verse 28. These things took place in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was washing. That's where all of this occurred. All right, it occurred in the Jordan just outside Bethabara. And I'm, I'm not sure the distance between Jerusalem and Bethabara. You can check that out on your maps. But they came out there to see what this guy was all about. Let's continue. It says, now it starts with the next day, verse 29. It says, the next day, John, watching Jesus come towards him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one. That's a capital O. He is the one whom I told you about. The one who would come after me because he existed before me. He was the I am before the first man. Now, can you wrap your head around that? That was a lot that John said. I mean, that was, that was actually the Holy Spirit speaking through John. Okay? And, and to, to really understand what he said that day. He said, he is the one whom I told you about, the one who would come after me, because he existed before me. He was the I am before the first man. That's powerful. Verse 31. And I did not know him, but now... He will re be revealed to Israel. 
Because of this, I have come washing in water. Then John witnessed, saying, I have seen the Holy Spirit come down from heaven like a dove, and that he, the Holy Spirit, indwelled him, Jesus. Okay, so the, like, the tenses are kind of mixed a little bit here because it's like he's talking like he's already seen what has happened and he's telling the Pharisees. And it's really interesting, isn't it? John says, I have seen the Holy Spirit come down from heaven and it entered into Jesus. And he's telling him this. At the end of verse 32, it says, and that he, the Holy Spirit, indwelled him, Jesus. Verse 33, but I did not see him that sent me to wash in the water. That would be our father. But he said to me, on him, capital H, Jesus, whom you see, the Holy Spirit, come down and indwell. This is he who will immerse the dedicated, the holy, okay, the dedicated in the Holy Spirit. This is powerful, okay? This is what Father told John. He said, when you see this happen, when you see the Holy Spirit come down and indwell Jesus, this is the one, this is the one who will release the promise unto the earth. Okay? Jesus. He says to him, he, who it, he will immerse the dedicated in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I want to rabbit trail here for just a second. The word that we use for uh, baptism in the Bible, it's just like the word Christ. Christos equals Christ. We transliterated it into our language, Christ. And then that's what we decided we would use. Okay. We learned that it had a meaning. The meaning is Messiah. We learned that it had a second meaning, anointed or anointed one. But the primary meaning of Christos that we decided to call Christ is Messiah. Same thing is true with the word baptism. Okay. The word baptismo in the Greek language was transliterated into our English language to the word baptize and various forms of it. It didn't exist until we did that. But that's the word we chose to use to translate most versions in the Bible today instead of actually saying what the word baptismo in the language in which it was used and written, what it actually means. And what it actually means is to be immersed. Okay, now being immersed doesn't necessarily and always mean that you are being placed into water and immersed down into water or <clears throat> the like. How is it that I can pick up my word right here and I can start to read it and I can become immersed in the written word of God by the Holy Spirit? I am just immersed in this. You see, here's another meaning for it. And so that is actually what the word is rendered. Okay? We are immersed in Jesus. 
Okay, we're not, we're not put into water and pushed down in, into it and covered and being... No. The primary meaning of baptismo is to be immersed. It's only through religiosity and through religions that they transliterated it to use it in a way that it is in accordance with what they want it to be. All right? But this isn't what the word is to be to us. Now, it's up to you to research this. You can go to your concordances. You can get on online on your apps. You can study the, the word. You can look back on it, and you can do your own research, and you will find that what it means is to be immersed, and it does not. And you can't, you just can't, you got to, you got to break it down. You know, the word, in the New Testament, in some of the, the other books, you know, there's a book in Timothy that says this, study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing, okay, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to get in there and look yourself because when you get in there and you start putting forth an effort and you start digging into it, just like you would dig into the things that you love to do right now in life, whatever it might be. Are you a fisherman? Are you, are you a, a, a businessman? Are you, are you a, a seamstress? Are you a cook? Are, whatever that you are passionate about, you need to be passionate about the written word of God and dig. Dig down, because when you're digging, guess who is behind you? pushing the shovel, if you will, and that is the promise, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you if you set forth an effort. You will learn things that are, just, I mean, it, it explodes, it explodes, but not getting off too far here. I just wanted to just share that with you, okay? There's a lot of words that have not been appropriately used. This is another one, okay? And it's very important to understand that in this particular verse, the second half of 33, Jesus, where, where, it, where John is saying, On him whom you see the Holy Spirit come down and indwell, this is he who will immerse the dedicated, the children of God, the bride, the chosen, the elect, those who have given their hearts to Jesus, those who are filled with the promise, okay? He will immerse them in the Holy Spirit. And when you are immersed in the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what happens. Everything about our Heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit just go like this. It's like, a, it's like an explosion. It's, it's amazing. That was verse 33. Wow, let's continue. Verse 34. And I have witnessed and know that he is the Son of God. That's verse 34. This is John. He says, and I have witnessed and know, he knows, there's no question, that he is the Son of God. Verse 35. Now the next day, John again stood with two of his disciples looking earnestly at Jesus walking about. And he said again, he said again, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him talking, and they followed him. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? 
two of the disciples of John. They, they saw Jesus walking about and, and, and getting himself ready to leave. And, and they said to Jesus, he turns around to them and he says to them, what is it that you seek? What are you looking for? What are you after here? Why are you following me? And they said to him, Master, parentheses, which is to say by interpretation, teacher, that is in the written. Where do you abide? Now, many versions say, where do you live? Where's your home? And we know that Jesus didn't have a home. Chapter 8, you know, it, chapter 7 ends and chapter 8 begins where everyone went away to their homes except Jesus and he went into the mountains. So he didn't have a home, right? He didn't have a home. But that's not what they were asking him. They weren't asking him, where do you live? Where are you going? Where's your home? They wanted to know, where do you abide? Abide? Abide in what? Abide in the things of God. They wanted, these two disciples of John wanted to get in tight with Jesus. And they wanted to learn what Jesus, what he was going to teach. Really what he had to give. What was he presenting? They wanted to know, where, where do you abide? That's why we're following and he said to them, Jesus said to them, come and know. And that's what will happen if you will take time to give your life, your heart to Jesus. He will say to you, come and know. Oh man, it is amazing. Now the hour was about the 10th and they want to know where he abode. And they remained the day with him. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two with John who heard and followed him. So we have Andrew and John who followed Jesus that day. They were with John that was doing the washing in the Jordan. And they followed Jesus. They wanted to know where he abode in the things of God, where he stood. And they spent time with him. Now, we don't know where that was. We know he didn't have a home. So it was off on the side of a mountain someplace, maybe in a pasture, a nice, beautiful green pasture. We don't know. But we know this, that Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, who will come into play here shortly, was one of the two with John who heard and followed him. First, he found his brother, Simon and said to him, Simon Peter, we have found the Mashiach or the Mashiach, a different form of language, which is translated the Messiah. That's verse 41. Check it out in your own uh, version. Verse 42. And he led him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of Jonas. You shall be called Cephas, meaning stony, because he was pretty stony, wasn't he? I mean, this we know we'll learn about, about Peter as it goes on. Now, the next day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and came upon Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethadia, a city of Andrew and Peter. 
Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote of in the law. And the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Then Nathanael said to him, He said to him, Can anything good be from Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. And that same that same invitation applies today. For you that may not know Jesus, come and see. Come and know who he is. And I promise you, he will change your life. Wow. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and spoke concerning him. Here is a real Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, From where do you know me? And Jesus said, answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered and said to him, Master, you are the Son of God. You are the Prince of Israel. I want you to remember that. Nathanael, what he said to him. He said, you are the Son of God. You are the Prince of Israel. Now, why did Nathanael say that? Was it because he was standing before the Messiah? Was it because he was standing before God himself? Because now Jesus indwelled with the Holy Spirit. And that whole, that whole thing that happened, by the way, that day uh, where John was washing, there is a great story to that. And I'll do something on the side for that one day of what happened in that lake because that was an amazing situation. But was there something that just being in the presence of Jesus, you just knew? I would. I would have just known. I mean, I just know it. I just know it. But he says, you are the son of God. You are the prince of Israel. Being the Son of God would make Jesus the Prince of Israel, right? Being the Son of the King of Kings, the Almighty, our Lord. Jesus being the Son would make him the Prince, would make him the Prince of Israel, wouldn't it? That's really important to hang on to. You'll see later in this, this series about that. Jesus replied and said to him, Because I told you I saw you under a fig tree, you believe? You will experience greater than these things. And it's kind of, I don't believe that's really why Nathaniel believed. Because Jesus told him, I saw you under the fig tree. I mean, that was really powerful. Come on, let's face it. If he was there by himself and no one knew he was there. And Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree before Andrew came to you. That would probably blow his mind. You know what I mean? It probably would have. And so, and uh, it, it probably would make anybody believe if, if someone told you something that no one else knew but you, right? Verse 51, the last verse of chapter 1. Then he said to him, Truly, so let it be said to you, from now on you will see heaven open. And the messengers of God going up 
and coming down to the Son of Mankind. Once again, truly, so let it be said to you, from now on you will see heaven open and the messengers of God going up and coming down to the Son of Mankind. One more word from Greek to English, okay? Here we go. A third one you can check out. And that is a Greek word known as angelos or angelos. Okay, transliterated into our language. And it's in our language, it's known as angels. Okay, angel. But the translation of the original word angelos, angelos, is a messenger. And uh, once again, whoever decided when they were doing various translations that this is the way we're going to do it, we're going to take this word, transliterate it to the English word, and we're just going to use it, but we're not going to render what it actually means or tell people what it actually means. We're just going to use this word. Um, I don't get that. I don't understand it. That's why I use the intralinear. And so uh, the word actually means messengers, and that's why it says you will see heaven open and the messengers, your version will probably say angels. If you use a version, it uses that. Angels of God going up and coming down to the Son of Mankind when they are messengers from heaven. Okay, that's what they are. They're messengers sent by Father to Jesus. And they'll be going, coming down and going up uh, from the Son of God. Now that concludes chapter 1. And next time we get together in our vid, we will, uh, and podcast, we, you will, we will together be exploring chapter 2. Chapter 2 is uh, a great chapter, and we're going to move right into it. Uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, coming back uh, to either watch the video or listen to the podcast. It's wonderful to have you part of this. Please go back over it. Uh, try to get as much out of it as you can. Explore these words that we've we've explored today: uh, Christos, uh, Baptismo, and uh, Ange Angelos. Angelos, Greek words that were transliterated into our language, and but just used as words without any really understanding of what they mean. And so, uh, until next time, thank you. Look forward to seeing you again. Look forward, forward to joining your ears or your earbuds. And so until we do that, Jesus loves you. He does. He really loves you. Make him a part of your life. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.